Acts 12, 1 through 19. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chairs between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So after Peter left the cell, following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision, he didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Thank you, Rory. What an incredible story, right? This, this is just amazing. And I want to point out some things that sort of stuck out to me in this story, and maybe they stuck out to you as well, too. So the first one was this, is that the angel had to hit Peter upside the head to get him to wake up, all right? I mean, an angel appears stands before Peter, and he still doesn't wake up. I mean, I'm a heavy sleeper, but this is next level. And, and this is the same Peter who, when Jesus asked him to stay awake and pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, he falls asleep, right? And I'm like, okay, there's a pattern here. Poor Peter has narcolepsy, all right? Unless Jesus was turning water into NyQuil, Peter has a problem here. I mean, think about it. You're in prison facing death, and you're like at such peace that you can sleep through that. And I'm thinking like, what is the answer? 
I mean, we could speculate all day long. Maybe Peter had just resigned himself to the fact like, hey, this is going to happen. I might as well get a nap before it does. Or maybe he, he knew something, right? And here's what I think the reason is. is because Peter knew the truth about Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus wasn't just a story. Peter had seen it. Peter saw Jesus crucified, saw him put in the tomb, and then saw him come back to life. In the book of 1 Corinthians, it says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people, and Peter was one of those people. Because Peter would not have gone as far as he did to the point of being in prison and potentially losing his life for something that he knew was a lie. People don't lose their lives for something that they know is not true. Peter wouldn't have gone through this. And so it shows that what Jesus did when he came back to life, that that actually happened. And through this, I also hear several words that start with the letter P. And I want to point those out to you because I think it'll help us to unpack this. And it may even give you a way to remember the story as well. So the first start word that starts with P is this. It's persecution. All right. It says that about that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, who is John's brother, killed with a sword. So this is probably about 10 to 12 years after the resurrection. And the church had been through some seasons of persecution before, and because of that, it was flourishing and it was growing. That's, that's the way it works. When you try to stomp out the church, it just grows from that. And now we come to another blow of persecution. Some of the, some of the Jewish religious leaders of the day were threatened by the movement of Christianity. They didn't like it, so they were trying to stomp it out. And James who was an apostle, a leader in the early church, Herod has him killed, has his head removed. And that would have just rocked the church. I mean, think about it. It's a, this is the beginning of the church, and one of your apostles is murdered for the faith. This is real persecution. This isn't the persecution that we sometimes think of in our culture and in our Western mindset. You know, we think it's persecution when some of our rights are being threatened. This, this was Death and imprisonment. You know, I don't know about you, but I have yet to be arrested for my faith. Some other stuff maybe, but not for my faith. All right, I don't know if you've been arrested or threatened with death because you're following Jesus. Which leads us to the next word that starts with P, and it's prison. It says, when Herod saw how much that this pleased the Jewish people when he killed James, it says he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. So this wasn't the first time that Peter had been put in prison. All right, There's another pattern here. He can't stay out of jail and he can't stay awake. So this, this sleepy inmate was the leader of the early church. Back in Acts 5, he's put into prison but he miraculously escapes, you know, just like we're going to see in this scenario. But Peter didn't know this was going to happen again. He thought, okay, I got lucky that time, but that's probably not going to happen again. He didn't know that he was going to be rescued. I mean, think about it. He just heard about James, another apostle, being arrested and then being beheaded. James didn't get out of prison. So what could Peter think about his situation? It probably seemed pretty hopeless, right? He didn't know what God was going to do. But it says, you know, that he imprisoned him. And he placed him under four squads of four soldiers each, and he was going to bring him out to trial after the Passover. So the Passover was this eight-day celebration, which means that Peter had been sitting in prison for six or seven nights in a row, just waiting. 
And it says that he's placed under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. They had 16 guys guarding Peter. So it must, they must have thought that he was a threat. I mean, this was maximum security. And then it says that two of those guards were literally chained to Peter so that if Peter was just so much as even move, they would have known what was going on. It would have pulled the chains, right? And they took their jobs very seriously because as we heard from Rory, that, that went, because Peter did get away, they ended up losing their lives because of it. They were, they were very serious about their jobs. Peter, he was in prison prison. This is not... Mayberry with Barney Fife and his bullet in his pocket watching the jail, all right? This was maximum security. And the crazy thing is, is that Peter was in prison for doing the right things. You know, have you ever felt like that? You know, have you ever felt like you're trying to do the right things, trying to please God, trying to live your life for him, not to earn his favor or his love, but just because of what he's done for you? And you're trying to do your best love and serve and care for other people, and yet it feels like you're imprisoned. Maybe not literally, but figuratively, it feels like you're suffering for doing good. You're suffering with no explanation of why it's happening. It happens. It could be a relationship. You're trying to do everything right, and it doesn't matter what you do, the other person is cold, they're bitter, they're hateful, they're unforgiving. could be a physical ailment. You know, you've lived your life right, and then out of nowhere, something strikes, and you, then you feel like you're imprisoned in your body because, because of pain or because of sickness. Or maybe some of you, it feels like a prison that you put yourself into. Maybe a prison of addiction. Maybe it's because of some of the choices that you've made. And it's like, you're sorry, you're repenting, you're trying to, do, you're trying to live better, but it's like nothing is getting better. Well, just like you, Peter is being persecuted unfairly he's in prison not figuratively but literally he's chained up he can't go anywhere can't do anything and the outcome of this is looking pretty dismal based upon recent history but that leads us to our next word that starts with p and that is prayer it says this is probably the most important verse in this whole account it says this but while peter was in prison the church prayed very earnestly i love this Peter's in prison, but the church is praying. This is an incredible quote from the Enduring Word Bible Commentary. It says, when every other gate is shut and locked, the gate to heaven is wide open, and we take advantage of that open gate through prayer. And that's what it means to be a church. That's what it means to be the family of God. When someone is hurting or someone is suffering, we pray for one another. Somehow, Word got back to the church that Peter was in prison. And so if you are going through something like that, where it feels like you're in prison, if you're going through suffering and you're going through a difficult time, we don't always know that there's a need. That's the problem with a church with three campuses with this many people is, man, it's really easy to just blend in here if you want to and not make your, your needs known, right? We say, you know, you walk into the church, hey, how's it going? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Good. Because you say that because you're like, you don't really want to know what I'm going through. But we do want to know what you're going through. If you need prayer, we want to hear from you. If you're in the hospital and you want someone to come and visit you, to pray with you, and to spend some time with you, we want to know. And so there's three ways that you can let us know. And I just want to, I just want to talk through those real quick. The first one is this. 
to fill out a Connect card. In your worship program that you were handed on your way in this morning, it's listed the three ways that you can let us know that you need prayer. And one of those ways is in that paper, on the back, there's a Connect card. And you can use that Connect card for a few different things. You can use it to let us know you're here for the first time so we can tell you a little bit about who we are. You can also write a prayer request on there and then just drop it into one of the giving boxes on your way out. And and it stays amongst our staff and amongst our pastors and amongst our prayer team. But we want to be a part of that and come alongside you and pray for you. So you can just fill that out and drop it into the giving boxes. The next one is to call the church office. We got a landline. That's crazy, right? You can just, like, some of, the, some of the young people in here are like, wait, you can call on your phone? Like, you can talk to people? That's nuts. You can call us Monday through Friday. Somebody will answer the phone. And you can say, you can let us know that you need prayer, that you need someone to visit you. And the next one, you can just email us. You can email us at the chapel. It's, it's, it's uh, prayer at the chapel.family, and it's inside your worship program. You, you can send us an email and let us know. And again, we're not going to share this with everybody. We're going to keep this amongst our pastors and our staff and our prayer team, but I promise you we will be praying for you. Or you might be here and you say, you know what, I don't have any prayer requests, but man, I would love to pray for people. If you would love to be on our prayer team, let us know. You just write on your connect card, hey, I want to be on the prayer team. Drop it in the giving boxes. Send us an email. Give us a call. Because we want people praying for you. There was um, a pastor from Michigan who came and talked to us and he said, things always go better with prayer and the more you pray, the better they go. The more people that we can get to pray, the better things are gonna go and we believe in that, right? And it's not just like you, you, you put in a prayer request and you know, th- if, you're, if you're like me, somebody would be like, hey, can you pray for something for me? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. And as soon as they tell me and they walk away, I start praying because else I'll forget, right? We're gonna pray for you genuinely. We're gonna pray for you earnestly. All right, so now back to our story. It says this. While Peter was in prison, the church prayed for him. All right, and it says that they prayed very earnestly, which has to do with both intensity as well as continuity. Because there's a stretching of faith to its limits here. Uh, They were praying with such intensity and duration because by, by all accounts, like it did not look, by reasoning, it did not look like Peter was getting out of this situation. I mean, there's 16 guards, he's chained up, there's an iron gate, they were not letting him go. But, but they prayed anyway, and they trusted in God. And so as I was going through this, getting ready, I had to ask myself, okay, are my prayers like this? Are my prayers marked with intensity and duration? Because like, like a lot of people, for years I've struggled to pray consistently and with passion. And I think you know, even with, the, even with good intentions, you know, I'd get bored or I'd get distracted while I was praying. And I think the problem for me, and maybe the problem for you, is that my prayers and maybe your prayers are lame. We serve a God who can do so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. And so I had to say, you know what, it's time to stop playing it safe. I had to realize, like, look, if God answered yes to all my prayers... The world wouldn't change. The only thing that would have changed was my life probably would have got more comfortable. Maybe I would have got a newer truck. I mean, is that like you? If, if, if God said yes to all your prayers, would it really make a difference in the lives of other people or would your life just get better? And so I realized, like, I had to stop, I had to stop praying the way I was praying and praying that God would work through me, that God would use me to make a difference in this life. And I started praying, like, Jesus, I want to be more like you too. And man, let me tell you, those are some dangerous prayers. When you start praying, God, search me. 
point out the things in me that offend you? What I thought would happen is that God would just start bringing, you know, some, maybe some sins, some habits, some things wrong with me to my mind, and then through his Holy Spirit, I would just change. But I found out that's not true. What happens is I mess up, and then people who love me point those things out, and it's so painful at times. But that's how God works. He uses other people. He uses his body, the body of Christ, to change us. I pray, I'll tell you what. Watch what you pray for. If you pray for patience, because I prayed for patience, I thought like God was just going to sprinkle some Holy Spirit dust on me, and then I was like, boom, now I'm patient. No, if you pray for patience, you're going to get in the longest lines at Walmart. Your UPS packages are going to be late. You're going to get behind the slowest drivers. You will learn patience. God's word said that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. Man, the, the walk with Jesus, it is hard but it is worth it. Why? Because he's worth it. So I had, I had to say a stop, to stop trying to play it safe and pray safe. But there wasn't just an intensity, there was also a continuity. This was an ongoing prayer, moment by moment, praying, seeking God, asking God, pleading with God, trusting that he was gonna work this out, but more than that, trusting in him even if he didn't work this out. I think... A lot of times for me, my test of faithfulness in God's, my test of God's faithfulness in my life is whether or not he answers my prayers the way I think he should, as if I know what's best. Like, hey God, I know you're the God of the universe and you breathed everything into existence and you're literally keeping me alive right now and you know everything, but I think I can handle this part of my life. Let me ask you this. Would it be good if you answered yes to everything your kids asked you for? It'd be a nightmare, right? You know, are there prayers in your life where you're glad that God said no? Maybe you met someone and you thought they were your soulmate, like you had a song, it was amazing, they were perfect, and you're like, God, please, you know, let, let me marry this person, uh, you know, I want them in my life, and then it didn't happen, and you're so mad at God, but then like five years go by and you see them at Walmart or online or something like that, and you're like, whew, glad I dodged that one, man, thank you God for saying no. You know, do we trust the seemingly unanswered prayers or the prayers that get answered with no as much as we trust in the one, in the one who sometimes says no? Are my prayers, are, are your prayers marked with intensity and continuity? And yet here's the thing, these were prayers of faith. They didn't know what the outcome for Peter was going to be. James had just been beheaded for the faith. The outcome didn't look promising, <clears throat> but that didn't stop them from praying. And I believe that this part of the story is a test of faith for the church and for Peter. Peter had, <clears throat> excuse me, Peter had not, had not been in prison, or he had been in prison now for just over a week, and now his trial date's coming and probably some probably in imminent death, and he's probably asking, "All right, God, why?" Why wasn't God working? Why wasn't God acting? Why wasn't God listening to the prayers of the church? Why wasn't he doing anything about Peter being in prison? They didn't know. But God had his reasons. God knew he was going to rescue Peter, but man, he sure didn't seem to be in a hurry. These quotes are from Alexander McLaren. He was a, a, a preacher and a theologian. It says, omnipotence is never in a hurry. And God, not only in his... God." Not only in his judgments, but in his mercies, very often works slowly as becomes his majesty. And this quote, God works slowly 
for he works certainly. I don't know what prison you feel like you're in, but I'm pleading with you, don't give up. Don't stop praying. In the words of Journey, don't stop believing. Even when it doesn't make sense. This didn't make sense, right? Peter was not getting out of here. It didn't make sense for them to pray that he would. We don't always know the why of our pain, of our suffering, and why it's taking so long. But the story of Peter is a powerful reminder to pray with intensity and to pray continuously because you just don't know when God is going to move. Which leads us to our next word, which is peace. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Again, that just strikes me that Peter's asleep. You know, this trial where he's probably going to face death and have his head removed, he's chained up between two Roman guards and he's sleeping. You know, maybe he was overwhelmed with exhaustion or maybe he was like, I just don't care anymore, but it seems that Peter is at peace and maybe it was the the prayers of the church on his behalf that caused him to have peace, maybe it was his confidence in God, I'm not sure, but I wanna live a life of prayer that leads to peace because so often I live a what-if life and maybe you do that too. You pray and you're like, okay, God, I wanna pray this, but what if this happens? What if something happens to my family? What if something happens to my job? What if what you're calling me to do doesn't work out? And I wanna switch that to pray to have an even-if life. That God, even if this doesn't work out, even if this doesn't, relationship doesn't work out, even if the test results come back bad, even, it doesn't matter, even if the sky is falling, Jesus, you're still enough, and you're still good. That's the life that I want to live, which leads us to our next word, which is words, prison break. In verses 7 through, through 10, it shows that there's this miraculous prison break. And to be honest, this prison break in in Acts 12 is a little too easy, right? Peter doesn't have to plot or plan or secretly dig a tunnel. He didn't have to crawl through a sewer like Andy Dufresne. This was not Shawshank. He just, in the middle of the night, an angel appears to him and he says, hey, let's go, you know? And it says his chains just fell off. And, And the angel leads Peter step by step right out of the prison past 16 guards into freedom. He just leaves, right? He's just like, I'm out of here. That's it. It's too easy. And in fact, Peter doesn't even get what's happening to him. The the text says that he thought that he was dreaming. And then we come to verse 11, which is in the next word, which is plan. It says, Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true. It's really true. He said, the Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from the Jewish leaders, or what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. You see, the, the Jewish leaders in Herod had a plan that could not override God's plan for Peter. They had one plan, God had another. No one, including yourself, can override God's plan for your life. And that's good news. Man, I had one plan for my life. Thank God he had another plan for my life. God was not finished working through Peter in this world to spread the good news of Jesus. And if you're here this morning, he's not finished with you either. It's a great reminder that no matter what prison we're feeling trapped in, There is no prison that God cannot break in and rescue us from. Which brings us to our final word that starts with P, and that's praise. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. So he probably knew that they would be there because this is where a lot of the believers met regularly. And they may have been praying for Peter, thinking he's still in prison. 
It goes on, it says, and he knocked at the door of the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. Uh, when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter's standing at the door. She gets so excited, so overjoyed, she hears Peter's voice that she didn't even open the door for him. She just ran back and she just leaves him standing out there like he's a vacuum salesman. She didn't even open the door, right? She just runs back inside. And, and like she just leaves him out there and then it goes on. You're out of your, she goes and tells the believers, all right, the church that's there, and they're like, you're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, they decided it must be his angel. So she tells him Peter's out of jail. And because these are normal, rational people, they're like, you're crazy. That's not him. It's somebody else. And then they're like, okay, well, that's his angel. Because which Jewish custom believed that each person had their own guardian angel that could even appear with, with that person's likeness for whoever the angel is assigned to, right? Here's, here's the thing is that they, they were praying and when their prayer was answered, they didn't even believe that it could be true. So I have to tell you that just because you pray about something doesn't mean that you will always believe or, answer, or believe that, or that it's going to happen. A lot of times, if I'm honest, I pray things. And I'm like, God, I know you can do this. I just don't know if you will do this. So again, if God answered your prayers, would, do you even believe that he can? If God answered your prayers, would it make a difference in this world? So Peter, continually knocking, when they finally opened the door, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told him how the Lord had let, let him out of prison. And he says, tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said, and then he went to another place. And all of that led to praise. From persecution to prison to prayer to peace for Peter, to God's plan for a prison break, to praise. That's Peter's story. So the question that I think might be lingering here is why is Peter's story important to you? Well, if you're here and you're just checking out this whole church thing, this Jesus thing, and you've got a lot of questions about God and you're not sure if you believe, but you're, you're, you're exploring, first of all, I want to tell you we are so glad that you are here. This is the place for you. This is a place where you can come and you can ask those questions and you can wrestle through those and we want to come alongside you and do that. But I want you to know this, that Peter's story shows that the resurrection is true because Peter would not have gone this far for something that he knew was a lie. So it shows that the resurrection was true, that Jesus really did come back to life. So the question is, well, why is that important? Because it shows that Jesus really is the son of God. And that his death on the cross was a valid payment for your sins. Well, why is that important? Well, I want to quote the accidental theologian Kenny Chesney. I'm a closet country music fan. I don't tell people. But he has this song called Get Along. It's a fun song. But there is a profound truth buried in this song. He says, when we find out when we die, the keys to heaven can't be bought. And so many people spend their lives trying to buy the keys to heaven, trying to buy God's acceptance, either earning their way through moral behavior, through doing good things, through religious activity, all to find out that at the end, the keys of heaven aren't for sale. And even if they were, you wouldn't have a bank, enough, bank account enough, even close to what it would cost to buy them. That's the bad news. The good news is this, that the keys to heaven, the keys to the kingdom of God, forgiveness, 
eternal and abundant life starting not when you die, but today is being offered to you as a free gift that Jesus, all you have to do is believe in Jesus because Jesus went to the cross to take away our sins so that you could be given the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And all you have to do is accept it by believing in Jesus. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. If Peter can be saved from prison, God can save you from anything. And you might be thinking, okay, well, saved from what? You know, the Bible is very clear that every single one of us in our hearts, through our behaviors, attitudes, and actions, we've all turned our back on the God who created us to be in a relationship with him. We've all said, all right, God, you can go kick rocks. I want to be in charge. And because of that, Romans says that the wages of that is, is the wages of those sins is death. And not just physical death, but spiritual death, forever separation from God. And yet God looked at you and he looked at me and he loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross so that we can be forgiven and reconciled to God. And this shows that for you, as if you are searching or if you've been following Jesus, that it shows that God does answer prayers. Peter's story shows that God answers prayers. But I have to ask, are our prayers big enough? Are our prayers bold enough? Are they scary enough? Are they prayers that, that are worth God saying yes to? And do we trust that God will answer them? And when he doesn't or when he says no, do we continue to trust in him? Because the purpose of prayer is not to get what we want. The purpose of prayer is that we get God, which is the greatest gift. And it shows, Peter's story shows that we can be like the early church, loving others by genuinely earnestly and continuously praying for others. So as we close, let me ask you this. How can you praise God for answered prayers? Can you pray for someone that you know who feels like they're in prison? And then lastly, to let us know how we can pray for you. Let me pray for us now. Father, thank you so much for Peter's story. Thank you that you are willing to break into any prison, literal or metaphorical, that we are suffering in. And God, that you can walk us out of that. And God, you don't always answer prayers the way we think you should or as soon as we think you should. But who are we to tell the creator of heaven and earth what he should do? So help us today, God, walking in truth and in love and in freedom as Peter did when he was released from prison. And let us be willing to pray, God, for each other and to pray, God, and to pray things that are scary, that are worth saying yes to. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Sunday, and we'll see you next week.